All right, fans, welcome back to another rousing rendition of the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Aaron here. Before we get started, I wanted to offer a quick apology for um, some of the technical issues we had on the last episode. When listening back to it, I saw that uh, two music bits that I tried to plop in there to introduce D-Wayne whenever he joined the conversation, they got muted somehow in post-production. So my bad on that. I was running almost a 102 fever that night. So that'll be my excuse. But we're going to try and keep the production tight on this episode. We're going to start by addressing the Hulk Hogan situation that's been in the news. But let me introduce who's with us tonight. First, we have uh, two chains fresh off of seeing the new Mission Impossible in a sneak preview. How are you, sir? Pretty good, pretty good. You know, I got to give you guys a little scoop on it. Um, I just think in short, in just a, a, a short little segment of it, I just think that of the series... I didn't enjoy this one that much. It was very Mission Impossible-ish, but it just really locked the potential to be a big summer blockbuster. The stunts, the big scenes, explosions and all that just was not there. Um, But on the cool side, it had a lot of gadgets and it felt really real. So, I don't know. I I would say pass on it, but hey, if you have nothing else to do, hey, go check it out. Yeah, there you go. Um, We also have our resident divas expert, Dr. M in the house. How are you tonight, sir? Doing pretty well, doing pretty well. So we're recording this uh, this particular segment uh, late Monday evening. We're right now watching the end of the Kevin Owens and Randy Orton segment on Raw. We see that Sheamus and uh, Cesaro are getting involved in it too. So we may chime in about Raw as we're watching this, depending on what goes down at the end. But um, we wanted to address the Hulk Hogan situation. We kind of waited um, purposefully to address it on our podcast until we kind of let everything play out a little bit longer. We saw more comments were leaked out, I think, by the National Enquirer. Um, I think they came out this morning, actually, which is Monday this week. But basically, if you kind of lived under a rock since last Friday, last Friday morning, the story kind of broke out that um, on the uh, illicit tape that is supposedly going to be released at some point of Hulk Hogan and his friend's wife, there was a uh, a discussion on that tape, which was kind of leaked out in a transcribed form. The audio has not been put out yet, but he seemed to be upset at either a producer or some sort of a contact in the music industry that his daughter Brooke was working with. And I believe this was recorded like eight years ago. But uh, the gentleman was African-American, and he made some um, racist comments that were quoted. And um, more of those came out today. Uh, I think he was referencing Jamie Foxx in some of the comments that leaked out today. The fallout's been pretty big, though. WWE got their hands on this news before it broke out publicly on Friday morning. They quickly released him from his contract um, as an on-air performer, as an ambassador, as a legend, and as a judge on Tough Enough. Besides that, they've pretty much washed him clean off of WWE.com. You don't see him in the shop zone anymore at all. NWO merch has also been removed from shop zone. There's, I think the only mentions, and I looked pretty hard just to see how, how far they went, I did see that he's still listed on the championship history. If you go back and see who's held the title and when they lost it and so forth. He's still on there as well as on the network, although they did pull Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon 
um, from the network, but all the other, you know, classic WrestleMania matches and pay-per-views are still on there. Now, we here at the podcast definitely condemn the comments that he made. Um, we're definitely not trying to make light of that. I wanted to maybe just real quickly comment on that. We'll throw it out to you first, Doctor. I'm just commenting on kind of what you read that Hogan said and what your opinion is of Terry Bollea, the man, as well as Hulk Hogan, the character. And maybe those two have become more synonymous in recent years than maybe he'd like to admit. But what what's your opinion of the whole situation first before we get to our uh, angle on it? Uh, yeah, it's... Uh... It's obviously a bad situation for for Hogan and, uh, you know, everything that he's been associated with in the wrestling industry for his career. Um, You know, I'm a firm believer, as I think many are, in, you know, freedom of speech and all that. But I also, we have to think about the fact that Hogan, Terry Bollea, however you want to refer to him, is a celebrity. And when you are a celebrity, there is nothing about your life that is private. (laughs) Like as much as, you know, some of our favorite celebrities, you know, want to claim that they want to try to have some sort of separation between what they do in the public and private, there's nothing private about your life. And I would think that Hogan would have recognized that, um, you know, someone is always watching you and or listening to you, recording, what have you. And so, in some sense, I think Hogan should have been aware, you know, from the get-go um, that everything he does, says, you know, can come back and bite him. Um, and so, you know, while we do have freedom of speech, we don't have freedom from consequence. And, you know, now he's facing the consequences of what he says. Um, I've never been much of a Hogan fan myself, so I don't feel all that much sympathy for him. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, maybe as time goes on, maybe um, fans who are angry um, will sort of work toward forgiveness. Um, But if not, then you know, that's, that's just what the situation is. And, uh, what, what would you like to add to what's been said there to James? I don't know. I think it's a real delicate and, um, sticky situation. I definitely agree with the doctor. Um, nothing is private. Um, no matter if he was saying something good or saying something bad, a lot of people are out there trying to, um, get a paycheck and whatever the word leak is involved, it's either somebody losing money or somebody gaining money. And, um, but to this notion, you know, Hulk Hogan remarks, um, I've heard two different video, I mean, uh, excuse me, audio recordings and both of them. Um, it's just one of those, I guess a fish shaking my head. Like, I don't know. Um, I do. I do hope that at some point fans do get get around to forgiving him because a lot of people do make mistakes, and no matter if he's, no matter if he is this person that you know these audio recorder could portray him to be or not, you know, um, I think it all starts with him forgiving himself and, and hopefully asking for the fans to do the same. Um, I think one one thing that really stuck out to me is. Um, 
obviously the only way he can reach all of his fans is through social networks. Um, but as in any sport or entertainment, you know, when you when you do get pulled into a circle of controversy, you should only make your apology statement and then that's it. Um, some of the retweets that was retweeted was just like, why? You know. Um, yeah. It was overkill. It yeah. Yeah. It should have just been left alone. So uh, I, f- I feel bad as a wrestling fan because um, just like you say, hey, you have to search through to look for integrity and, and consistency within the rest of the history. It's just something that just kind of gets under my skin. Another situation is the person we can't name, but even that situation for what it's worth still kind of like bothers me because it's just like, you know, your personal life can get you in and out of trouble, but just as a fan of the sport and stuff like that, it's just, it just sucks that it has to be delegated the way it is. Yeah. I mean, and I think as we kind of approach this, what we're going to do, what we had talked about doing off air was um, addressing kind of you know, obviously we've commented on kind of the social issues of what's happened here. Um, it's it's a terrible thing that's happened. Terrible things were said. I, I, I also feel a little bit badly for him in the sense that I think he was caught in a moment of anger and frustration. I don't, I don't believe that Terry Bollea, the man, is, you know, an all-out racist. But, you know, the guy was brought up in the 60s and the 70s. Um, you know, down south in Florida at a time when there was still segregation and racism very much present. And, you know, he, to a certain extent, maybe he's a product of where he was brought up, but to another extent, you know, I think he just made some bad choices in the way that he spoke in a time of frustration. Um, Does does that justify? Absolutely not. He shouldn't have said what he said and he, he's going to pay the price for it short term and long term. I mean, not just in terms of, you know, the fans or in terms of projects that he's going to lose, but money. He's going to lose a lot of money long term. Um, what that want to piggyback off of that, too, is I don't I also do not think he's a you know, he's a racist. And, you know, you have people saying he's not. Um, you have people say, you know, words that we do not decide to use on this show. But um, at the end of the day. No matter if he was quoting what somebody said, and he's also maybe just being honest, at the end of the day, you should never get that comfortable with a word that could bring so much pain and, yep. you know, history. It's just, it's just an unforbidden word, you know? Mm-hmm. And, well, and, the, and one thing that just really made me personally so upset about it, like, I'm a white person. But, like, the fact that, like, he's one of the biggest wrestling stars of all time. And I, I look back fondly on those matches from the late 80s and the early 90s. And it's just so tainted. You know, people don't know us personally. But, like, you know, the co-host on this podcast, I'm the only white person on the podcast. Like, that sucks how that's been tainted for the rest of you guys. Just the way he spoke. Like, I can't go back and look at those matches the same again. It's not that I won't be able to go back and watch WrestleMania three, but like, that's just, it made me really angry. It, it was just angry. And it's an unfortunate thing that happened. I, and I think, I think for me, I think it's just like, um, I, I hate to say this and kind of be kind of like, um, you know, ignorant to the fact, but some, at some point you get kind of numb to the word because it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely out there. Yeah. And, um, I think it's just the fact that, yeah, you look up to him. I was never a big Hulk Hogan fan, but when I seen the yellow and red, I respected it. 
You know, it's just like, hey, I know who this guy is. Like, I expect for him to win. I don't care what his storyline is. I expect for him to win every time I see him. I expect him as a character. I expect him as, you know, an urban guy. You know, he comes out, he wears Jordans. He says he hangs out with the celebrities, Lil Wayne and Birdman and stuff like that. I respect that. That's cool. It's cool to see you venture out outside of just, the, you know, the wrestling community and you're accepted. But what bothers me is just celebrity that got you too comfortable. So now that you, you know, you're out and about and you feel like you're in every crowd and you can do whatever you want, it got you feeling like you can say whatever you want. And that's, you know, no matter what, no matter how you want to act, dress or be, it's just one thing you don't do. And this is you don't say hateful slanders and slurs because you think it's accepted. Yeah. Because you you're you're above the man. Because you your celebrity makes you above it. There's, you're you're the exception to the rule, the un, the unwritten rule. Yeah. Um. Uh, another, uh, you know, if even if you we we get listeners that's not big Hulk Hogan's fans or didn't grow up this uh, watching Hulk Hogan. Um. Another example of this scenario is kind of like the Riley Cooper situation house. Uh, ESPN Stephen A. Smith alluded to that scenario is almost exactly how I feel. It's just like when when did you think it was just cool to you know to act like that and talk like that? Who who made it acceptable for you? You know, it's funny you bring that up because I was talking to Celis about it on the phone on Friday and he compared it to the Riley Cooper thing also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And I was gonna say it's not like now you say I'm gonna go around and I hate you. It's just have a just a, a distasteful thing because it's just like you just don't care. Yeah. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. Before we before we transition to kind of the wrestling end of the fallout of it, Doctor, did you have any kind of final words on on this take on it before we moved on? Uh, no, I think uh, I think you and Two Chains really kind of summed up any feelings I had about it. And I mean, at the end of the day, there's just no excuse. Yeah. Uh, there, there's just period, you know? And like I said before, it now it's, he has to face the consequence of it and, uh, we'll just have to see where it goes from there. I don't, I don't think this is the, the last we'll see of Hogan and mainstream pro wrestling, but I think it's going to be a while certainly before we see him again. Yeah, and that's that's a really great way to transition into kind of what we wanted to make as our take on it is how how this situation will affect professional wrestling overall. And there's a cup. There's just a. I'll, I'll kind of throw some things out there that I thought of, and you guys can kind of um, feed off of that. But here's some things in kind of the immediate future that I think that this affects very quickly. I mean, obviously, you've heard the reports that WWE is going to be removing him from the video game and they're going to edit him out of um, a WWE Studios movie that they had filmed. Mm-hmm. They're going to be taking him out of um, this like adult cartoon WWE show that's going to be on the network. He was a character on that and that's no longer the case. Um, editing him out of different media. Obviously, like I said, the shop zone, all the merch has been pulled. Yeah. But, but thinking kind of moving forward from there, here here's the biggest thing that made me probably the most disappointed and sad moving forward. You kind of heard the rumors, and granted Hulk Hogan had put some of these out there himself, that he wanted to have one more match at WrestleMania 32. And we kind of heard that it was going to maybe involve 
or be against John Cena. And that's a big time match. Like regardless of kind of the work quality of that match, I think they could put together something or could have put together something that would be relatively entertaining. It's not necessarily my first choice of a John Cena match, considering I'm going to be a ticket holder for that event, but it would have been something that we could have gotten excited about and entertained by. And I think the reason that being a part of WrestleMania 32 in Dallas next year was so important to Hulk Hogan was that you think about what do you think the biggest part of his legacy as a pro wrestler, as a media figure is, and it's something that he comes back to in all the interviews, um, the fact that he drew 93,000 in the Silverdome, brother, against Andre the Giant, WrestleMania three, and by all accounts, WWE is going to attempt to break that attendance record, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that they will in Dallas next year. And then Hogan wouldn't have that claim to being a part of the biggest attendance draw in wrestling history. And the fact that he could have been a part of this show next year in Dallas, it would have kind of helped cement his place and his drawing power in wrestling. There's absolutely no way he's going to be any way a part of that show now. And I think that that's going to be kind of a... um, a footnote that he's going to have to come to terms with on his legacy from here on out that he won't be a part of that biggest draw in wrestling history anymore. Not that it wouldn't have gotten broken 20 years down the line again anyways, but I think that's something that's going to cause him a lot of pain and a lot of professional and personal disappointment moving forward. What do you guys kind of think about that? Hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to chew on right now. To be honest, um, I kind of knew we was gonna transition into the segment, so I was just thinking about other things, how it affected. But um, WWE is good at <laughs> they're good at getting you know trying to remove any resemblance of anybody any ways they can, and I, I think they're gonna yeah. You know, to be honest, even if they don't break the record, I, I bet you they tried to say they did. Yeah, they've they've been known to embellish their attendance figures from time to time. Yeah, but uh, what about you, Doctor? I I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, I agree with 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 much of what Aaron said. I think this is going to um, Hogan not being involved at Mania next year. I would be shocked if he was like I do think he will be back in mainstream wrestling at some point. But I would be shocked if it was as early as April. Yeah, um, not happening. But uh, him not being involved at Mania 32, I think, is going to sting. Um, no pun intended. I think it's going to sting more than more than any other sort of consequence of that. Because yeah, he's going to lose a ton of money. But um, how about the WWE losing 50 million? Oh yeah, they're yeah, the lose stock to a huge bunch hit. Of merchandise and all that stuff. Yeah, so it's you know, there's no winner in this. I don't think. Um, but yeah, just Hogan not being part of that spectacle. Of mania, um, that's gonna. I think Aaron, you're right. It's gonna weigh on him um, for a long time. And and uh, two chains is right that WWE is very aggressive and usually pretty effective about trying to erase certain things that have uh, or certain things from its history. I mean, even tonight, if uh, you guys have seen on Twitter, there were people, you know, taking Hogan signs from the crowd at Raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that. Um, I'm sure that's going to continue for a long time. Um, P- 
people coming in dressed in Hogan t-shirts. I would imagine they're going to be politely asked to uh, wear another shirt. Uh, have you guys uh, have you have you guys noticed? And I don't know if you've uh, seen this in your research, but there's no such thing as Asselmania right now. Yeah, that yeah, gimmick yeah. that gimmick got shot. I saw um, a photo of them at a live event this weekend. I think um, Axel dressed like Cena, and then um, Damian Sandow dressed like Randy Orton, and he had like these like sleeve things that looked like tattoos on <laughs> it was actually kind of cool that they they could change the gimmick so quick i don't think it's going to be a long-term fix but um yeah that that's another thing right there is that it affected whatever minor gimmick they had going with those two they can't do it yeah, anymore the superpowers but yeah the, the new mega powers yeah and that was cool for house shows i'm pretty sure and even on superstars you know but yeah that's back to the back into the hands of the creator, the creation team, mm-hmm. and that's never a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. And kind of looking even just a tad bit forward, you know, not just thinking about WrestleMania, which I think the event, I think it's going to be um, a topic of conversation that weekend that Hulk Hogan is not a part of it. Like, I, it was cool. I've gone to two WrestleMania so far and like it's just cool being around a city full of wrestling fans for a whole weekend and people are going to talk about Hogan not being there. It will be noticed. And good luck to WWE if trying to get censor every Hogan shirt that people try to wear to their events that weekend because people are going to try to do it. It'll be interesting to see oh, how yeah. it's addressed. Like I think you can you can definitely edit or take away signs but I know a lot of folks own Hulkamania shirts, and I don't think there's going to – I think there will be some folks that will wear them anyways. But, um, well, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. But what I also wanted to bring up, the NWO has not been inducted as a group into the Hall of Fame yet. And they are, without a doubt, in my opinion, the biggest maybe, – maybe second to the Four Horsemen. I don't want to get too ahead of myself – but one of the biggest heel factions, especially in its early incarnation in wrestling history. And I know that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall have had their individual inductions, and maybe that's good enough to the Hall of Fame, but I really think the NWO as a faction deserved to get recognized in the Hall of Fame. And it's going to end up, depending on how many more cases we get like this down the line, there's going to be a lot of gaping holes, much like the you know, the baseball hall of fame where you've got these guys from the steroid era that aren't in it. And just feels like sections of history of that sport are missing for better or for worse. Yeah. I was just going to bring it up. The only thing that changes about this is, you know, in the case of Pete Rose, um, the law prevents him sort of say, yeah, it's really, no, there's really no law behind why Hulk Hogan can't go into the hall of fame. But, in a sense, bigger than the law is an ego. And I I don't see how in Vince McMahon's blood how he could not allow him to go in as, as part of the NWO. If they um, even if they even do it, because I mean they just pulled all the NWO merch and like mm-hmm. I guess it depends on how badly they want to reopen that wound whatever that wound looks like down the road but it's not like any of those guys are getting any younger either right right and um you know i i think in a forgiving heart 
next year could be his year. And when I say next year, I mean 2017. Yeah, up in, uh, um, that'd be, what the rumor is, that'd be up in Minneapolis. That's what they're rumored for WrestleMania 33 at this point. Right, and, uh, you know, yeah, you're, they're not getting any younger. Things happen every day. And there's nothing cooler than seeing a whole fraction being able to be inducted while they're still alive, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, like, I just can't emphasize any, anything more than that. Like, they're not getting any younger. Yeah, because it's just like the horsemen are in there, and you know DX is going to go in, and I would like to think China would be a part of that. But that's a conversation for another day. You know, I, I, I don't think I wouldn't put it past WWE to put Evolution in at some point, and maybe deservedly so, because that was a very effective faction. Because all four guys, Ric Flair's for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm Flair sure. Is for it. Well, he'd be a three time <laughs> Hall of Famer if if that happened I know. too. That's why I said he'll be, and you know he'll love to add that to his promos. Yeah, <laughs> collecting those rings. Yeah, that's right. In, in theory, he would he would have the most if he did right. He would, um, yeah. that, but I mean, Triple H could tie him because he could go oh, in for Evolution, right. he could go in for DX, and he could go in as a solo act. That's um, right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Um, yeah, but I definitely think, uh, I think NWO should go into the Hall of Fame, but it's, I don't know, it's such a tough situation. I wouldn't want to be in Vince McMahon's shoes right now because, um, well, I think NWO should go in. You also have to think about your current employees, like, what does it say to, you know, somebody like Xavier Woods, Biggie, Kofi, Mark Henry, all these, you know, African-American men and women who are currently working in WWE and the people of the past, you know, Jacqueline, Jazz, like all these people, what does it say to them, you know, if they see Hogan on that Hall of Fame stage again? you know, anytime soon. Well, and that's, it's it's, it's such a tough situation. It is. And, and that's why I don't think it's going to happen. Cause like you said, they, they made their stance very quickly when this went down, they, Oh gosh, not to cut away from the serious topic, but John Cena's nose just got obliterated and busted open on raw. Are you guys watching this? Yeah. I just literally looked at pouring blood. I just missed it. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to get distracted, but that was crazy. Um, uh, I see, uh, see the, um, yeah, the medics the going medic at medic or trainer. Gosh. Um, oh God. yeah, it's bad. Um, sorry. Getting back on topic though. What I was going to say was, um, they definitely made their stance by terminating his deal and scrubbing him clean off of their website in within, you know, the first 12 hours of that story breaking. I don't think. And, you know, maybe there's some forgive and forget here, but I don't think the NWO is going to go in. And I don't think you're going to hear Real American live in an arena ever again. I think this is the last we've seen of Hulk Hogan in WWE. Maybe. You could be right. You could be right. Because you think about it, what is he, like 61, 62, 63, somewhere in there? It ain't like he had a lot of years left where you're going to be able to use him as a commodity anyways. You know, maybe he had one more match. Maybe he had some appearance type things. But, like, you can't keep trotting him out there forever. And by the time this thing blows over, if it blows over, because, like I said, I think they've taken their stance. But you know what? Here's, 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 here's my take on this. Ric Flair doesn't have a supreme 
That's a great point. Second chances. Yeah. And um, I'm about to jump around real quick. A lot of Hulk Hogan tweets seem sincere. He's very apologetic and been, um, you know, real thankful to support. Just while I'm looking at that. But no, Ric Flair has definitely had a lot of chances. And the only other thing that matters right now is going to come down to the WWE losing money. And bringing Hulk Hogan back, does that give them, does that help them? You know, does it, does it, um, you know, does it bring back their investors and their stock? Does it go up? All that's going to matter. Let's just be honest. And if they say, hey, Hulk, we'll put you on a tour deal, get something a little bit more exclusive than a Legends deal, um, put him in the Hall of Fame as part of his, as part of his package. And can we sell your, um, you know, memorabilia? Maybe cut down his share on that. I mean, they'll they'll consider it. There'll be there'll be some options. You know, it's just it's just like football. Um, give somebody a contract. You know, maybe they took a bad injury. Maybe they had some off the field issues. Just work the deal around different. I don't think this brings bad publicity to WWE at all. Um, because I don't really think anybody's marking him as a racist. To be, to, be, to be very, very anal about this, if this was the supreme racist factor, do you think that some of the black supremacists would have had spoke up about it by now? I mean, yeah. if, they had stu- if they had stuck with him, then they definitely would have, but WWE was very quick to react to it. But even still, you know... Do you, do you think anybody with any type of calling or, you know, anything? I don't know. I just, I'm not saying it's not a serious issue, but I just don't see how this can ultimately eliminate him for good. Definitely a break. They did the right thing. Eliminate him, get him off there. Oh. Yeah. Seth Rollins. Yeah, they're beating, they're beating on each other pretty hard here, man. Holy, yeah. wow. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think he's gone for good. Um, I think we will see him, and I think it's gonna. It's gonna be a big pop for him. You know, the the Hulkamania gimmick has been working for years. Uh, give us a break of it. We'll we'll be just as happy to see him in a year from now. Like, wow, they brought him back. It's a must see. Yeah, I think. I think uh, time is going to be the major factor here. Um, I personally think a year would probably be much too soon um, because, you know, while we can sort of applaud WWE, depending on who you ask, and applaud WWE for their swift action, um, at the same time, I think still all eyes are on WWE right now and, and people will be watching with curiosity to see, all right, is WWE just waiting for, uh, you know, anger to sort of subside a little bit, or, or are they just kind of biding their time? I, I mean, people are going to be watching. So, oh. uh, I, I, yeah, time is just going to be a major factor in this whole situation. You know what? I got another, also, uh, I got another comment that I wonder if anybody's thought about, aside of Ric Flair. Is Donald Trump still in the Hall of Fame section? Oh yeah, he's very much still on the site. 
because I can I can make an argument that his comments about the Mexican borders, yeah, oh yeah, may, may be worse than what he said in the sense of, well, uh, the the one video, I mean, the one audio clip of Hulk Hogan was not good, but the first one where he was kind of quoting wasn't that bad because he he didn't say and I quote, but in theory he was quote what somebody else said, you know. Yeah, I mean, they Donald, Donald Trump comments just seem straight up malicious. They they have a lot of questionable guys that they still associate with whether they're Hall of Fame members or whether they're just associated with WWE in any capacity. You think about, you know, Jimmy Superfly Snooker who still has an open uh murder trial that's being investigated again against him. You've got, you know, Bob Backlund, I guess I don't know. Bob Backlund just always says crazy stuff, but I, I guess maybe that's just Bob Backlund. <laughs> uh-huh. that, maybe that's a bad example. But you you look at a guy like Sean Waltman who has a very similar uh, tape for you know trying to keep it family friendly as what Hulk Hogan allegedly has you know maybe being uh, released. That's true. And you know it's kind of, that that also makes me angry that it's such a double standard. They're gonna they've seemingly erased China's impact on the business because of what she did putting tapes out but sean waltman same situation i guarantee you when they put dx in he will be a part of it guaranteed of course because he's i mean he's already being featured heavily in this whole click week on the wwe network and you know looking at that also scott hall ain't no saint he's done some pretty bad things in his day (laughs) Um, and Sean Waltman is isn't he like working for WWE in some capacity right now? I, I think I think maybe a little bit the performance center. He still very much does the indies, but um uh-huh. Yeah. How about this? Um Stephen A. Smith was suspended from ESPN some years ago. Or even I, it's another guy too. I can't even think of his name. Are you talking about um what is it, Colin, uh, Colin Cowherd, Colin the thing he just said? No, 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 no. Okay, first... Because he got fired for that. That was about Dominicans, I think. No, okay, so a while ago, Stephen A. Smith got suspended for basically keeping it too real with his comment. He was talking barbershop talk, talk as I like to call it. Where you, you know, just, you just say whatever comes to your mouth about opinionating and however you want to say it. He got suspended for that. Then you have this other guy. I can't think of his name right now. But he was the one that was on at the time, first, I mean, that first take, um, Numbers Don't Lie, I think it was. And he made that comment about RG3, about is he a brother, blah, 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 blah. I don't I don't even know who's on that show. I, I kind of remember that. I, I, I think about, like, the Bill Simmons stuff that's come out. That's the only one I can remember. Oh, no, I can think Where of he would name. comment on his the name right there. Oh, uh, Rob Parker. Okay. You, you know that guy? No. He made a... He made a comment about RG3, saying RG3 basically uh, questioning him, questioning how black he was. And hmm. he's like, well, RG3, is he a brother or is he blah, 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 blah. I don't know if that's safe for the, the podcast, but just to, you know, to refrain from it. And to what I'm alluding to here is that he was also fired or let go or had made resign because of his comments. And these are two um, African-Americans saying, you know, slanders against their own race, sort of say. With that being said, how is it that without 
you know, do you feel like that's who was kind of like behind Booker T happened to apologize for something he said 20 years ago? I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I think WWE really, really tried to make sure they had all their bases covered because today more so than any other time, man, a scandal is not only is it terrible for business, but like social media, things just get picked apart and blown up. I just, you look at some of the stuff that's happened recently, like the, uh, the Duggar family scandal, just how quickly that got blown up. Yeah, and um, yeah. what was the other one recently? I'm trying to think. There was another big I, one not that long ago. I, I can't confirm this, but somebody told me that, that that Booker T segment can be found on the WWE Network. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, they have, the WWE has, a, um, they, they must have an IT staff, a super skilled IT staff yeah. to, to get it. To basically get ahead of all videos they don't want on it. And the way how I know this is because find me any Linda McMahon clip out there. When she was running for, what was it, governor or mayor? She was running for Senate. Senate. Oh, Senate. Yeah, they eliminated everything of her. Like one day I just had an itch. I was just like, oh, I want to watch that video where Stone Cold stunned the whole McMahon. Oh, and it that was, was great. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> That was our uh, that was our freshman year of college. I remember watching that at the dorm, Doctor M. Right. And, oh, yeah, I remember it too. You know, they got a way of you know they want to get rid of um, everything. And now, what I'm saying is, by that too, it's just like as much he is uh, as much he is a uh, you know Hulk Hogan get from this Vince McMahon comments to John Cena that time, and Booker and this Booker T segment should be gone from the planet. Yeah. And if, there's, if you go back, like I, w- I got on a really big late 80s, early 90s kick, um, like right after the Warrior died last year, just going to go back and see all his old stuff. And um, you listen to like Jesse Ventura's commentary or even Bobby Heenan's commentary back then. There's a lot of racist stuff in it and yeah. not, not just against black people, but against like Hispanic people and Asian people. Like it's insane the amount of stuff they got away with back then. Like it blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to tread lightly now. Gosh. Oh, just the fact that it was acceptable back then blew my mind. And maybe, maybe, obviously, it was a different time. And that's kind of, that's kind of one cool thing about going back is you can see what the times were like. That's why you know those are kind of, you know, primary artifacts of the wrestling times back then. I, I don't know. Um, Maybe we kind of want to wrap this up with me with some final impressions. Here's here's my thing. I uh, two chains. I I heard you say that you. You think we'll see Hulk Hogan again in WWE, yes? Hey, Ron? Yeah, can you hear me, man? Yeah, go ahead. You say it. I said um, you you had stated – I kind of wanted to wrap it up like this. Uh-huh. You you had said that you, you feel we'll see Hulk Hogan in WWE again someday, yes? I, I think so, um... I'm hoping that they're a forgiving company or that they're able to come to some type of more peaceful conclusion. If it's not giving him the Hall of Fame with the NWO and maybe them, maybe they allow other members to speak on his behalf but or you know, giving him my time to apologize with something written, um, 
yeah, that's. I think that's a more of a subtle ending for such a iconic figure in the WWE WWF history. And Doc, so, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I was just gonna say, I, just, I, I don't want that to be biased because I'm not a big Hulk Hogan fan, but I just think that in the in the sense of what's happening here, I think I think both styles will definitely feel better with coming together on um, you know peaceful terms. Yeah. And uh, Doctor M, do you feel we'll see Hulk Hogan in WWE ever again? Uh, yeah, but I, I think it's going to be sometime far down the road. And I think I agree with uh, Two Chains that it's going to be something very subtle. Uh, I I would not expect to see him in sort of a major TV role again. Um, if, if anything, I. If we do see him in, in in WWE again, I think it might be for a brief appearance, like maybe at an NWO Hall of Fame induction. But um, I doubt we would see him sort of having like a a twenty minute opening segment at WrestleMania, like he did at Mania in New Orleans. Um, I doubt we'll see him in a a role like he just had on Tough Enough. Um, I think he I think he's sort of burned those bridges. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with what you guys have said. I, I think the only capacity I could ever see it happening would be something like an NWO induction. And like you said, too, James, maybe having a prepared statement just to kind of make those those fences mended. Because like you said, it's it's better to bring people back together than to stay apart. If there can be some healing involved, I think that's a positive thing. That said, just the way that the media is so vicious anymore... I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I, it, it it would be sad, but I could easily see it happening where the next time he's mentioned on WWE programming will be to acknowledge his passing, you know, whenever that unfortunate day would be. I hope that's not the case, but it wouldn't shock me if that's how it ultimately ended. Yep. I think for, if he it, if it de- definitely does not um, come to a man with them and somehow comes back. I do, I do definitely see him in another wrestling production. And if I just had to go up to them and predict that, it would be Global Force. That wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't. I think Jeff Jarrett knows an opportunity to some extent when he sees it. Uh, uh-huh. There was there was another take I was going to make on it too. Um, I think I, was there anything about Tough Enough replacement? Well, the last that I heard, Ric Flair was the first name that had come out. But since then, apparently Bret Hart met with Vince over the weekend. And it sounds like Bret's going to be the guy. Because I think they want to have a very squeaky clean guy take that spot for the rest of that show. Um, I'm all about seeing Bret Hart because you don't see him as often as Ric Flair. And I'm a huge Bret Hart mark since I was a kid. I don't know. I think since Bret Hart became a sort of say a legend. He seems more humble on Mike. Yep. Um, it's going to be interesting to see that. I'm not going to say I think this is a, a good replacement, but, you know, at this point, I don't know. They, they probably should have did Stevie Ray since they gave him a legend's contract. We still haven't even seen him yet, but I don't know. If it, Rip Player would have been the guy, but, you know, considering his history, uh, and um, I just don't see how... Bret Hart worked as a host, I mean, as a judge, because he doesn't technically have a specifics of him that 
that works for this show. Like, yeah, he, he definitely has the history, the pedigree, skill sets, and all that. But that's not what this show is aiming for. I, I don't think this show is going to make a good wrestler. It's just going to make a good entertainer. Well, Bret Hart isn't a good entertainer. He's a hell of a wrestler. I don't. I don't think there's any save in the show at this point. Anyways, I think it's been abysmal. I know, Doctor M. You said you're done watching it, right? Yeah, I was just. I was just listening to you all's conversation, and yeah, I've been seeing sort of questions on Twitter about who's going to replace Hogan, and you know, in my eyes, it really just doesn't matter because the the show has, has tanked. Um, I think in theory, like parts of it were a good concept, but it, it just hasn't worked, and. Um, I, I mean, I certainly won't be watching tomorrow, but um, whoever replaces Hogan, hopefully... Um, good luck. Yeah, good luck. Good and luck, hopefully yeah. they, they can bring some sort of intrigue to the show. Well, if, if I could, I would maybe encourage you just to watch the first five minutes just to see how they address that 50,000-pound elephant in the room, you know, because yeah. you, you can't just say, like, oh, Bret Hart's here now, or, oh, Ric Flair's here now. Like, you're going to have to address what happened, whether subtly or straight up. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see who's given that task. I would give that task to Renee Young and Chris Jericho, maybe have them both address it. It, it, it It's it's those times when they have to acknowledge things that are uncomfortable and they have to do it in a, a non-kayfabe way that are very, very interesting to watch. Like I remember when um, – do you guys remember when the whole Benoit thing happened and you know the news came out that he had passed and they did a three-hour best-of tribute thing to him on Raw? Yeah. And then like almost immediately after that show went off the air, it started coming out what had actually happened. And so at that point, ECW was still airing on Sci-Fi, the the WWE's version of ECW, and Vince did like a pre-taped thing acknowledging what had happened and that they were pretty much banning his name from WWE here on out. It'll just be interesting to see. They're going to have to formally acknowledge it because it's such an integral part of that show now, what's going to happen tomorrow night. I think the best five minutes of that show for the whole season are going to be the beginning of tomorrow night's episode. Yeah, you know something. Um, right. You know something. Um, Sellers has said. Hmm. He said, "What if Hulk Hogan was the one to have eliminated Page? I mean, excuse me, to have eliminated um, Patrick. Uh, Patrick instead of Page. Yeah, that would have been bad. <laughs> yeah. And then we spoke to somebody else. We talked. We talked about somebody else uh, overheard us. He's like, "Yeah, but you remember, he still was up for eliminating Patrick." He said, "I wonder how." how how does that build to the whole scandal going on? Does this put down a vote to bring Patrick back? I say that's something worth, cause you know, theorizing, but who knows? Who knows? I still think the show is done at this point. Yeah. There's yeah. not a lot left. There's nobody on that show at this point that I could really get behind. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I guess we can kind of part with this, that it, it's definitely an unfortunate situation what's happened not just for you know on a societal note but you know definitely for wrestling fans um i think it's something that's that we can definitely find healing to a certain extent with and you know i think the some of the best things that have come out of it are seeing some of the active superstars come out and like mark henry put out a very nice statement 
I think the day after it happened and basically said, you know, this is awful. This is not okay. Just seeing, seeing our current superstars stand up against, you know, racist comments like that, you know, that, that's a good thing, I guess, in terms of a role model sense for the current crop of talent that they have. Um, as far as wrestling, the wrestling history and the way it's portrayed long-term, that's going to be, it's going to be a thing that's going to be interesting to see how, how it's portrayed because there's no denying the impact that Hogan had long-term from WrestleMania one to like, like Dr. M said, you know, that opening segment that was so great when we were at WrestleMania 30 in new Orleans. But, um, there's been worse things, you know, individuals we've referred to that have done worse things such as Benoit and we've moved past those things. So I've no doubt we can move past those two. Um, I don't know. Like, it was a bummer that like this weekend I mentioned on the air last time I was sick the whole weekend and usually when I'm sick I'll flip on the network and throw a pay-per-view on and I can kind of chill on the couch for three hours. I didn't besides the ROH pay-per-view which we're gonna get to a review of in the next segment. I didn't want to watch wrestling this weekend. It just is kind of bumming me out. Did you guys kind of find yourselves feeling that way too? Um, I, not t- too much. I think I, I mean, it was just stunning. You know, and I think I had a period and I don't know if you felt the same way too, Chains, but I had a period where I was just kind of sitting there, like literally shaking my head for what seemed like a while, just trying to figure out what in the world was going on. Uh, No, my blood was rushing ROH all weekend, so. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you guys had a you guys had a good time and you're going to you're going to talk about that on the next segment for sure. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I guess we'll kind of wrap this segment up. I don't think this will be the last time we talk about it on air because everything that I've read in the um, the two website media groups that have kind of reported on this story is that there is far more to come, including extensive audio. Uh, and I've heard that Hogan's lawyers are trying to prevent whatever else is still hasn't been released, you know, not to come out because some people think that we haven't even heard the worst of it yet. And... It's already pretty bad right now, so it'll be interesting to see what more remains. But um, you definitely haven't heard the last of this from us on the podcast. But we'll we'll go ahead and wrap this segment up and get on to more fun things. Coming up next will be um, the uh, in-person review of Celis and Two Chains from Ring of Honor's. Um, why am I blanking on the name of it? Death before dishonor. Death before dishonor. 13. Thirteen. Thank you. Um, so that review will be coming up next. All right, fans, as promised, our Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor 13 review. I watched the show, sadly, here in the Midwest on iPay-Per-View, but our own Celis and 2 Chames got to attend it live in Baltimore. Um, we'll start with the dark match. Uh, Donovan Dijak, uh, longtime Twitter interactor with our podcast, defeated uh, Watanabe, now, Celis, you said that uh, you really wanted to touch on this match first, even though most folks didn't get to see it on the iPay-Per-View. Yeah, uh, actually, I was very, very impressed with Dijak uh, because it, it, 
when he just interacted with the crowd of the show, and the show was just an amazing event, and we'll touch on that as it goes through the podcast, but he really opened up with the fans. He was conversating back and forth with the fans. He brought entertainment to the match, and even though he was the heel that ultimately got the win in this match, I was just very impressed, and you don't realize how tall and how big this guy is in person. Like, literally, this guy is legit 6'6", 6'7", 240 pounds, nice built muscles. He might have a Randy Orton body type. And I was just very impressed with his ring skills and performing in that match. It was, it was a real good opening. Of course, you didn't see it on the iPay-Per-View, but it really did get some good feedback from the crowd. Cool. Um, then we had the the opener proper. We had Silas Young defeating Will Ferrara. Uh, Two Chains, any major comments on that one? Was Silas Young kind of a a major ham in front of the live crowd like he was on TV? Yeah, um, Silas Young was he was phenomenal. It was definitely a good match to set the tone for the night. Yeah. Uh, b- b- between you know getting the crowd who was you know the crowd was still coming in, but getting everybody interactive and um, you know a lot of like conversations with people directly and you know it was just it was just it was just a really good um he was just a real really good like crowd puller like i was really really impressed by that but um other than that i mean looking over the car it's kind of hard to i, I kind of felt like this was my match of the night at a point but it, it just progressively just kept getting better just better spots but um this match i, I definitely loved it um solace and def- uh, he was over with for our, this one and it was it was a really good match awesome why don't you tell me about the uh what was being chanted while silas was in the ring i forget you remember what was chanted there was a there's a couple of chants that had me laughing i'm trying to think which one it was i'll give you a hint it was one of your most over talked about things that we talked about before in previous podcasts that you said it's probably the most over uh, thing that's going on in the WWE right now, but it was kind of twisted for Silas. Ah, uh, I don't know. You're Sigh. killing me. List sucks. Oh Sigh. yeah, that's right. List sucks. List sucks. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and, uh, Silas whispered over to me. He's like, "You're not going to tell me the new day is over." I was like, "I told you." Like, I told. You. <laughs> and, let me, and let me tell you one big thing that is needs to be noted that. The all-rage crowd was not allowing any WWE chance to be to be done that night. Anything oh that was WWE-related, everybody was like, no! And a lot of, you know, all types of words were being said, but they was not allowing anything WWE-related. There was a there was a, a, a try for a yes chant. That shut and, down quick. Yeah, real quick. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, um, yeah, that, that, I forgot all about that. You know, when you said that, I thought about what you whispered to me when uh, it was another chat, and it was a guy. He was sitting over to the left of us, and he had his son. And he was he was like, is this son really chanting that? And I looked up, yeah. like, yeah, he definitely is. <laughs> it's a, it was an explicit. We won't put it on here because we got a clean show, but it was expletive. And the kid was like, like six or seven years old. Oh. expletive with the crowd. Goodness gracious. <laughs> um, the next you know match. Oh, go ahead, man. Oh, you know what? Just the note too. The crowd was full of all ages, mm-hmm. um, all nationalities, every everybody. Um, you could have seen a, a family of three generations all in there, and everybody was equally excited and interacted about it. Like literally, like I literally looked around. I was like, you know, I see people like my mom age in here, 
yelling way louder than I ever did. <laughs> That's and what then, I'm lo- looking forward to when we go to Dallas. I've never been to Ring of Honor, and it's going to be cool to see wrestling in a smaller capacity compared to like a WWE. There's more intimacy like you guys are talking about. Yeah. So the next match made me mad because I thought they let our boy Moose win, you know, near near his home home state because he's from Maryland, right? Yep, he is. Yeah, and uh, Cedric Alexander beat him. I think they're going to continue that storyline, you know, Veda Scott up against Moose. But um, what was Moose like live, um, Celis? Um, I, I really enjoyed Moose. He impressed me in the live crowd. But let, let me say what Cedric Alexander, he actually stole the show for me in a way because to me, I, I thought this was probably the match of the night on a low-key attempt. Cedric Alexander knows how to tell a story in a ring. And you could tell through the whole match from a live perspective. I don't know how it came across on the iPay-Per-View on the internet or TV however it's looking at it. But Cedric Alexander really tells the story with Muse and Moose and even with Betty Scott being in there, it's just Cedric controlled that pace. And for Cedric to be a veteran of the ring, Moose needed this type of match. And at first I was like, man, why did Moose lose? But at the same time, I wasn't upset because Moose will get his chance later on in the future. But Cedric showed Moose how to tell the story in the match. And that's what made the match so great for me. I think it went about 15, 20 minutes. And it was good spots. It was good pacing. It wasn't too rushed. It was, it was, the athleticism was there. It was just a real good, bona fide storytelling wrestling match. And I, and I appreciate it, Cedric Alexander. You could tell he was the green general in that. So I, I'm not upset about the loss for moves, but Cedric Alexander did show me something. Awesome. Two chains, anything to add on that? Um, I, I have to say that uh, for Moose being a hometown boy, the crowd was definitely split on him. Yeah, I noticed that. Mm-hmm. By by, like I was generally confused because when he came out, uh, people was yelling, uh, you know, he was chanting the moose chant, and then was followed by "You suck." Yeah, like did they that came across around. on the, on the pay per view too. Yeah, and I literally was looking around. I was just like, "Whoa, this is not just a small number of people saying this. Like this crowd is 50-50. It um, really was. I have to I have to say that they did not promote him to be a whole town boy. You know, usually, uh, just like when Randy Orton came out um, in Battleground at St. Louis, you you knew. You knew he was from there. Like, they made it a fact that from St. Louis, Missouri, like, you you knew. Yeah. But they they didn't give him that. Um, But as far as Moose, um, just just because um, Sellers talked about Cedric Alexander, which which I totally agree with what he said, Moose is a big guy. He's absolutely a football player. You can look at it. He's he's. He's phenomenally built, but that that boy he runs the ropes, and his drop kicks were phenomenal in, yep. in person. Like he gets hang time. Like I, I'm telling you, you think he's like a luchador in there? How he gets up <laughs> in the air? Like he's, he's phenomenal. Hang time galore. I was super impressed. That's super awesome. Impressed. But um, as far as the storyline, I, I like I said, I agree with Sellis, and I think it sets him up for a bigger stage. But um. I'm not. I'm not mad about the win, about the loss at all. Cool. And just to add to this, uh, Aaron, remember that even though we are in Baltimore, Baltimore is more known for its smaller venue wrestling, like Maryland Championship Wrestling. That Baltimore fans may not be familiar with him a lot from the Prince George's County area or right outside DC. So you might have some more Philadelphia fans coming from the area, like you know, from those days, or even Delaware for those smaller venues that may attribute to not knowing where he's from. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Um, the next match, I I wasn't really um, that hyped for it when I saw the card before the show, but um, the Briscoes versus Rapongi Vice, man, they kind of tore the house down a little bit. Let's start with you this time, Two James. Um, I really did like this match. Um, the crowd was definitely over on the Briscoe, the Briscoes, and um, the man up chance was 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 ro- roaming through the whole building. And that was pretty exciting to be part of that live. Um, but as as far as the, the talent there, like you see, you you see why they're both championship caliber. Like yep. those, I, I was just at a point I just didn't have nothing to say. I stopped tweeting and everything because I was really looking like, man, these dudes are good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the one the one spot where he where he took uh, what's his name headband and put it on yeah. was the crowd the, the crowd loved it. And I was for all forward as well, but um, yeah, it was a, it was a it was an overall really decent, solid transitional match to be in the like a mid card. I mean, I'm sorry, like a mid match of the card. Mm-hmm. And I I was just really stunned. It, it, it's hard for me to like really say or how I feel because literally watching that was just like, wow, I'm so glad I came. <laughs> yeah, so. they. The Briscoes, man, they've been doing it for a long time. I think they debuted in like '01. Like that's how long they've been doing it. It's a shame that WWE hasn't made more of an effort to sign those guys because they are they are just so fun to watch, especially Jay Briscoe, you know, being the the former Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. But yeah, um, yeah. Sell us anything you wanted to add to that? Well, you can tell uh, Long Island IZ Zach Ryder that we found Trent, uh, that we finally got to see him. You know, if you refer back to his uh, YouTube channel days. Uh, but once again, Two Chains put it all. It, it was just a great match. And not only that, you just saw the respect that they had for each other in the ring. Even at one time, I think Mark Briscoe or Mark or Jay either had hit Beretta, you know, in the eye and he was bleeding. But you, you could tell throughout the whole oh, match, yeah. it was still a respect issue that Beretta was like, I'm going to finish this match. Don't worry about it. I got you. I know it was a mistake, you know, but I'm going to finish this match. And he did not let him stun him at all. And it just brought to the more quality of wrestling that regardless of what goes on, we're going to make sure we send these fans home with a good match. And it, and it really did. Yeah. Um, hey, you know what? When he landed that elbow, I heard it. And I was like, good God. <laughs> and then when, he, and then when he, he, he went to the ground, when he came back up, he's bleeding. And I was like, oh my goodness. I said, I knew, I knew he had to cut him with that elbow. Like mm-hmm. it was USC-ish. And I was just like, I was just like, oh, this is not going to end well. I've seen plenty of elbows to the eye, and the you know the ref comes in and, and they they have to call it. But after a while, <laughs> I could be a killer, I could be a little naive, but he didn't let it affect him at all to the point nope. where it felt like it was it was controlled because it wasn't even gushing everywhere. It just was just there, and he's like, I'm gonna finish this match. Period. Well, the announcers and, during that match they made a really big deal about that he got busted open because apparently the like sports or the fight commission in that state like if there's an excessive amount of blood they will come out and stop it regardless of what the promotion has to say about it um but i'm glad that he was able to finish the match that would have stunk if we couldn't have got a finish on that right yeah my favorite match was next adam cole defeating dalton castle (laughs) i love this match adam cole's a stud and Dalton Castle might be the most entertaining person in that company right now. Oh, it was showmanship. I mean, like, literally, I was in awe 
of Dalton Castle like the whole time. It, it was just pure entertainment. His little peacock calls over there <laughs> was just hilarious yeah. for that whole match. I wish it could have gone long a little bit. It wasn't as spotty as I thought it was going to be or wasn't as clean. I would say that should be the better word. Um, as a personal side note, I kind of knew where the match was going at some point. So I told you, change. let me use my bathroom break now. Um, to go to this match, not to disrespect the competitors at all, but I just kind of feel where this match was going. And two chains even called this match, you know, when we did our preview. Yep. Um, so uh, it, it was just very entertaining to see how Dalton Castle was. I have very high hopes for him in the future as far as his gimmick and chip. So it really did impress me. Sure. Two chains, anything you want to put on top of that? Um. Yeah, you. I mean, like you say, like a little bit. Like you guys said, I'm definitely big on Adam Cole, but uh, Dalton Castle, I had no idea like how much control he had and how big of a pop he was going to get. Yeah, um, his uh, his character, you know, it's definitely it's definitely a little bit different, and I wasn't sure how the crowd would perceive it, but they absolutely loved it. And by that matching with his his skill in the ring, like he's he's he has a lot of roof to go. And um, I just thought this was probably one of my, besides this next match, but I would have said this was going to be, this I thought was going to be my favorite match of the night. It was my favorite match of the night, but this, just the next match just put the icing on the cake. Yeah, it was Adam Page <laughs> defeating ACH oh, in a no-DQ murder-each-other match. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I don't know how those dudes walked out, especially that last spot. Um oh, I don't, I don't even have anything to say about it, man. It was just crazy. Oh, man. Like, so um, at this point, we was uh, we were pretty much standing. Um, the excitement was just rushing through us. Like, you know, we were standing and so I was like, you think you're going to go back and sit back there? And I was just like, uh, maybe. Then, you know, halfway through the alcohol, man, I was like, nah, I'm standing. And uh, we, right. start <laughs> we start seeing some people we knew and all that. So we just, we just still for the whole night and, um, this match was absolutely, uh, like, it was spots galore. Like, no DQ. I thought it was going to be so par just because. But, man, it was no hole bar, holes bars at all. Like, uh, I just knew, like, at one point at the very end, I'm not going to I'm not gonna blow it, you know, this whole review on this match. But at the very end, I had got on Twitter and I was just like, I got to see what people are saying about ACH because, um, I don't know what happened, but I don't know if he's going to get back up. And literally, I get on it. Everybody's like, rest in peace, ACH. <laughs> Prayers for ACH. And I'm just, like, I'm just like, that's exactly the thoughts in my head right now. I didn't want to be, they want to be like too ignorant to this. But I was just like, that's exactly how I'm feeling. Because Lord, that, what what would you call that move? Like a, basically like an inverted, like pile driver because he got him up on his back and it just looks so freaking dangerous like i don't know how you you don't get hurt doing that like i don't i don't think they'd ever get away with doing something like that in wwe if they're not gonna let rollins do the curb stop no way that that move would never happen in wwe dude never happening (laughs) no never um our boy uh, Evan came over to us and was like, you'll never see that in the WWE ever, ever. I was like, you don't got to tell me because we know. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, what you think about it, Salas? I mean, it, it was a good match, but my, the first thing I told you two, Chains, was, man, 
ACH reminds me of Shelton Benjamin. So I was thinking oh, about, yeah. I was thinking about, oh, man, yeah. it, all the old money in the bank ladder matches, and when they brought out the ladders and the spots that ACH, you know, was given and taken at the same time, I was like, man. And, and even the crowd had chanted at one point, "This is wrestling," and that was the first yeah, thing that oh, came yeah. to my mind. This is wrestling. This is what I've been missing for like the last four to five years, as far as a classic wrestling match. Like we had no promos up to this point. You know, it was just like. Back to back to back to back, great stuff. Or oh, excuse me, except for the you know the BJ promo right before this match. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. But still, it was just great wrestling. And like even two chains said, when you have a card where your previous match builds onto your next match, where your next match is better than the previous match, and the previous mm-hmm. match was already good, what can you say about it? This, yeah. this was just a great match. It's old school booking, man. Right. Yeah. I this, uh, this... go go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say this car did not let up on the gas at all, like two hundred miles per hour through the through the whole what three hours? Uh, yeah, three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah, three. Yeah, three and a half. Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah. Um, I was confused, and I texted you guys. I think on the next match, I thought the the tag match was elimination style, to where that's what we thought too. There was because that's the way I thought they originally advertised it, but Wikipedia now says four corner survival match, which means like fatal four way or whatever. But uh, the addiction retained, which I called. Um, I was kind of more bothered and distracted by the weird change in stipulation. To where I find my I found myself not enjoying the match as much. Maybe that's my own fault. But um, after the craziness of that Adam Page ACH match, I I mean it was not that it was a badly worked match. I just couldn't get into this one. What do you guys think? Yeah, it was a tough act to follow. Um, but all I could think about was the War Machine. All, all I could think about was this is Luke Harper and Eric Roman two two point um, <laughs> during the whole time. Um, like like you said. The, the, the match wasn't bad itself, but it was just a tough act to follow. And by everybody being confused, like waiting for that first pin for elimination, and then that was it. When the, that first pin happened, it was like, oh, the eviction retained. Yeah. It kind of like left a confusion on people's faces. But that's the only thing I can really say about this match. Yeah. Um, definitely after ACH went through a bomb and it blew up the whole stadium, <laughs> I, I once they finally let everybody in after the fire drill, I was just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we have we have two more matches, you know? So um, this match, I remember complaining, saying this match needs to pick up. Like, it's uh, it's dragging along, and um, there's a lot of talent in the ring. There, there, was, there was really no immediate spots. It was just, you know, all that I'm a tag, this team, and blah, blah, blah type of stuff going on. So, and I forgot who was on whose team at one time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It had the it had the traditional type of um, four corners feel. Um, um, Aaron, I gotta agree with you too. I was kind of bothered by. I, I thought this stipulation. Uh, I thought it was elimination, so I was looking to see who was going to be the first to go. But um, it, it had the traditional four corners tag match where, um, you know, you have the inverted tags, you had the hidden tags, you had the I don't know who's the um, legal man. Oh, everybody's outside the ring. Right. Everybody's right. in the ring. Um, everybody, uh, let's do two at a time in the ring and, you know, hit spots. And it, it, and it didn't progressively picked up, um, you know, team by team, they get their spots. They give, they give a little, uh, roar to the crowd. And, you know, after a while, I was just like, I don't even know who the legal man is, but, um, I do remember the kingdom had a bunch of spots at the end where I actually thought they was actually going to pull out the win to, uh, make my, make my prediction correct. Mm -hmm. But, um, it was one of those type of 
oh, hit his finisher, hurry up and throw him outside the ring, let's hit our finisher in the match. So Yeah. But um, I, I got to say one thing that um, I was pretty uh, impressed by um, War Machine. Those those guys work. Yeah, they work. Very very impressed with they sat. Um, it's really high on them the whole time. And uh, yeah, and you was right with your prediction, which I wasn't going to admit, but yeah. So. I'm not sure what it was like live for the main event. I don't know how you guys had steam to go through an hour Broadway at the end of the show after how crazy, you know, the whole middle section of that show was, you know, starting with the moose match all the way through that no DQ. I, I wasn't really into this match from the, from the jump just because, you know, Roddy wasn't even really signed with the company long-term. He is now since then. I think he signed like a new long-term deal with him. But I don't know, man. Like, it's not that technically it was a bad match, but I guess I just didn't see the point of an hour Broadway to build up a feud that wasn't really there. Like, I'm like I'm sure the match was really fun live, though, right? Two chains. You want to hit this one first? So pretty much about like twenty to thirty minutes uh, within the match, I started looking at my watch. Like, man, what time is this going to end? Then I like, you know what? Jay Lethal is definitely not going to lose here because it's a high pay-per-view and it just doesn't make sense. And, you know, I was like, hey, you know what? Watch this go the whole 60 minutes because I remember I remember specifically that the ring announcer said, this is a 60-minute time, lim- time limit match. I was just like, I don't know if it's just me or something, but I feel like they never emphasize how long a match is going to be timed. So, um, it kind of foreshadowed what happened and yeah, but as far as the match, um, it did start off really slow. Jay Lethal is the world champion, and he looked, you know, they portrayed him to be really frustrated, uh, really fatigued, and um, uh, um, it just didn't feel right. I just feel like, you know, champions always, is champion caliber. You have to look, um, you know, you, you, you just have to build because you're the top in the company, especially, you know, you considering yourself to be the real Mr. R.H., so, um, and I understand how it was going to be built. You know, make him look weak in the beginning so he could go over um, strong at the end. But it really didn't even really become that. You know, Roger Strong just was strong the whole match through. But um, I thought it was a so far match. It, it, it drowned me out at a little bit. I was kind of tired and fidgety. But uh, towards <laughs> the end, when the spot started coming out, I, I enjoyed it. It was it. It was a good seal for the night. It had a finish that I can tolerate, and um, I look forward to seeing this again. Cool. Celis, uh, you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, by the fact that it was, um, how can I put it? Like Two Chain said, it took like 20 to 30 minutes to go, but then when it started to build up, it started to work. But then after it started to work, it's like, I got legit scared for a second because when all those close pinfalls, I was like, whoa, is Roderick Strong going to really win here? Because I remember in the promo at the beginning, they said that a champion had never lost on his first turn. And oh, I, yeah. told, I told two teams, I was like, why would they even say something like the promo like that? Would they really try to hint that they, he would drop the title right now this quick? Maybe to give to Roderick Strong. And at the time, I didn't have any, you know, he had contract issues, but 
if he had contract issues, maybe this is a point to, to say, hey, we need you in ROH. So it was like all this stuff was going in my head. But other than that, it was okay. I was just in awe for the first time of seeing Jay Lethal live. Yeah. But but um, I was very impressed, and I felt honored uh, just to watch him because of all the stuff he did at TNA, the Ric Flair tributes or the Ric Flair uh, gimmick that kept going back and forth in my head, even the Black Machismo with the Macho Man, you know, gimmick. I was just very in awe <laughs> just to see him see him live. Cool man. Yeah, I. He's the hottest thing in that company right now. It's not even close. Um, I I can't see why he wouldn't be champion when we go to Mania next year and see the ROH TV tapings and beyond. Um, I hope they kind of – their next legit pay-per-view isn't until September. I think it's called like uh, All-Star Extravaganza, I want to say. And that's actually going to be on legit pay-per-view, not just iPay-per-view. So – um, I assume we're going to see him and Roddy go at it again. I know that they have a rematch for the title booked on some shows in uh, August in Philly, I think. And I think they have Kushida going against Matt Seidel on that show too, which, man, if you live there, go get your tickets now. So then, you know, being there live on a rating scale, what would you give the show to, James, if you had to put a rating on it? Uh, it's very, very solid, entertaining, and bang for your buck pay-per-view. Um, no question. I'm going to have to give this one on a scale of 5 of 4.5. As I really have no complaints at all. Um, I enjoyed the energy. Um, the venue for what it was was very acceptable. I'm, I'm very pleased by it. The crowd definitely added to it. Cool. Sellers? Uh, same thing, 4.5. And the fact that it was only 20 bucks and we sat on the floor, it was like maybe, what, a good 10 rolls back on the floor? You could not beat that price. That was the best wrestling match for the bang or the price of my buck I probably have ever been to. Yeah, I'll go I'll go an even 4 out of 5 on it. I'm sure if I had been there live, I could give it that extra half star. Um, like you guys said, bang for the buck. It was only, I think it was 19.95 to get the iPay-per-view. So I paid... It makes me mad I don't live on the East Coast because you guys get so much more wrestling out there than we do. I'm sure there's indies around here, but like I'd have to drive pretty far to get to them. But um, any final comments on the show before we part? Yeah, um, uh, two things. Is um, I was really like really pre- pleased about um, you know the the, the, the age and the um, nationalities that all attended. It was good. Good to see that I always show really as far as, far as they being promoted as more like an indie an indie company. It was really family oriented. Um, everybody was accepted, all ages, and um, everybody was just as excited. No matter being a teenager, all the way to an adult. Um, another thing is all their appeal and all that other stuff was very cheap and very accessible, just out there for you to look at. So that was good to know. And the the real bonus card is that. Their wrestlers set pretty much in open view for you to go talk to them. Like, if you just went over by, I'm, they talk like a couple of buddies said. Like Jay Lethal was sitting out with both his both his belts, and you could almost overlook him for a second. But if you see his belts, you're like, oh, you know. So that's really that's really cool. Um, so yeah. Anything from you, Sellis? Just a final thoughts, man. You just appreciate what these wrestlers have to do to try to make it. Coming from ROH. And just seeing how many professional wrestlers in WWE come from RH and just think of the groundwork they had to do. You think about CM Punk, think about Kevin Steen, think about Daniel Bryan and where they come from and where they are now. You just have to appreciate that journey 
of where they're going to. And I would just appreciate, you know, they just really put on a great show for the fans, and I, I just thank RH for that. Yeah, it's it's a really great alternative product. It's something I'm glad that we all follow now. Um, really looking forward to going in Dallas. For, we just got our tickets. I'm very jealous you guys got to go to one before me. Um <laughs> But uh, this is our ROH Death Before Dishonor 13 review. We'll catch you guys on the very next episode of the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up this episode. Just wanted to note real quick that uh, we'll get another episode out for you by the weekend. On that episode, which we've already recorded some of the segments for, we're going to talk the ridiculousness of the current version of Tough Enough. We're also going to talk about the expansion of SummerSlam into a four-hour show, as well as uh, any news and rumors. I think we might touch on the GFW TNA stuff a little bit. Whatever else comes up by the time we finish recording, so look for that uh, within the next couple days. Remember, you can always check us out WrestlingOpinion.com, iTunes, our own social media. Have all the links there, too. And until next time, this is Aaron, Big Gold Belt Podcast. Talk to you soon. of the Big Goat Belt Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at BGB Group or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Big Gold Belt. Email us at biggoldbeltgroup at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.